Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dwarf Fortress Talk. The talk show where we show about talk. That's right. It's true. <laughs> where we take fortresses and we take dwarves and we put them together. We shake them. And then out comes this amazing game called Dwarf Fortress. That's right, it's episode 17. Holy cow. <laughs> That's what right. season are we on? Um... Well, did we start in 2000, was it 7 or 8? Or was I'm happy to announce 2003 as of right now. Wow, awesome. 2009, so that was, that was, that was, that was only uh, August 6, 2009, so that means I guess we're in, in the, the middle of the, the third season. This is, no, where no, no, no. This is the fall season, like where the, where the new episodes begin. So yeah. right. we're, 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 this is our season premiere. Oh, well, I guess we have to hook new listeners. That's right. Hey, this is Rain Seeker. <laughs> and next to me in a city far, far away, but he's still next to me, is Captain Tastic. Hello. And he's fantastic. And then we have our illustrious leader, Tarn Adams, also known as Toady One. That's right. Your long lost brother joining you for the third season. Exactly. Because the last guy had a little bit of a problem and he had to be let go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he died. Yeah, he got pushed <laughs> off a bridge yeah. or something. Right. Someone he, told me that's what happened. And then he came to town in a bus and um, with a no memory. And so here he is. Hey. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> well, let me refresh your memory. <laughs> we are talking today about a, uh, a topic that is near and dear to Captain Tastic's heart, which is styles of approaching Dwarf Fortress. You want to talk about that, Cap? I can talk about it for a bit. Cool. Basically, in my time uh, around the Dwarf Fortress community, seeing people play, reading threads and all that, I've noticed that there's basically three types of people that play the game, or rather three core things that people want to get out of the game. And the first and foremost is basically people want the game to be a game where they can actually have goals and achieve them, maybe not necessarily explicit goals but have a general idea of how to progress within the game have challenges spring up so it's not always a cakewalk and not always a death grinding you know skeleton coming and tearing your skin off but that's fun in its own way but people want ways to work around that and interact with it in fun ways there's also people that you know want the game to be an accurate simulation of fantasy fun stuff you know trudging through mud and getting stuck having to lose your boot and then your boot fills up with mud and then you got to pour the mud out of the boot and then you know moss growing and you know places freezing over when it gets cold crops growing peasants being peasants you know just kind of being repressed being repressed yeah but i mean that stuff actually happened in some ways that stuff makes sense you can kind of get into the groove of all that sort of fun things happening they want the game to be when they're playing fortress mode more of a they want options they want to be able to interact with things they want surprising things to spring up and then they have to work around them kind of like civilization or sim earth where you know lava erupts from a volcano and then all this magma's coming around and they gotta deal with that in its own way and then the third type classification that i've basically made up like all of these, please don't take them as science, uh, are the people that want the game to be more about constructing things, more of a real-time strategy kind of setup where they build bases and they have elaborate towers and sort of basically stunting where they make the cool computers in the game and all these elaborate giant dwarves that vomit lava all over the place. You know, just all those that really interesting stuff. Mods that turn Dwarf Fortress into Warhammer 40,000. Kind of tinkering with the game rather than tinkering within the game. I think that a lot of those people want the game to recognize, oh, well, they made a tower. This is how much, you know, Dwarf fame it's going to bring in. Or Basically, to them, the game is more of a construction kit. Like, uh, you know, Lego. Connects. Legos. Yeah. <laughs> so those are basically the three categories, gamist, simulationist, and constructionist. I think most people will fall basically in one of those 
there are obviously going to be some overlap, but basically I haven't really seen anyone who really wants something that falls outside of those other than people who are kind of in it for the long haul and just like the concept of the game itself, but maybe don't really play it too often. They see, they say, oh, this Dwarf Fortress game, it's crazy. It's going to, you know, in the future, it's going to have everything. And that's kind of true. So that kind of appeals to all three. The conceptualists. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, now that we've had the the a thread up on the forum where people have been talking about this for, for a week, um, I think we put that up around October 8th or something. Yeah. Uh, so what, what have what have we found? Um in terms of in terms of what what people um, you know how they fit into these categories and and what themes have emerged. I mean, a theme that I I noticed coming up repeatedly was that there there's kind of this um, narrativist group as as they call themselves of uh, of people that are are into the game for its storytelling ability, which is kind of mm-hmm. a, a, a subset. Of of simulationism, but it, it it really feeds into all three types of games, and it's um, I mean it's not it's not it's not strictly a a a watching the simulation, but wanting to be a part of it, and and wanting the the things you do to matter, and also wanting there to be to be a thread that kind of jumps up on its own that you can kind of grab onto and and continue. So, so there, there, that was that was definitely a, a large theme that I I noticed cropping up in there. Yeah, I feel that a lot of people. There's a there's a handful of really famous stories within the community that people enjoy and kind of retell and show off to other people, and I feel that that definitely has a very strong pull. Yeah, I think there there were there there's even a, there's even a subgroup of people that that I guess would put themselves in the observer class of of uh, people um that even if the game, you know, has a has a lot of goals that aren't finished yet, they don't even want to play after they're done. <laughs> it's yeah. that they just want to watch other people play and and like to hear the stories that uh that that come out of it that 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 people tell. It's true. And, Why don't we um, mention a yeah. couple of those those fam- more famous stories you guys Remember, I mean, I know that we were both murdered. Voltig uh, crypt brain. <laughs> yeah, people people mention Kakame all the time. Um, although I don't remember the details of a lot of these uh, these these names that I hear, and even the name Urus came from a story, right? That's right. Um, it, you know, I th- is that the one where the person was locked on, or, or kind of trapped underground by themselves for a while? Um, it could be. I mean, it, it all it all flows together at some point. <laughs> well, there's there's plenty of them, and we have a whole the whole forum section now. And uh, if I remember, there's a sticky where people still vote for which uh, <laughs> which which stories belong in the Hall of Legends. Uh, uh, we should all, put a link to that. Yeah, yeah, we've got boat murdered, spark gear, head shoot, syrup leaf, battle fail, gem clawed. And then um, there's there's a bunch of active ones as well, and then there's and um, there's adventure mode threads and uh, yeah there's there's all there's all kinds of uh, stories oil, and oil furnace and then there's there's ones that came up online uh, things like bronze murder and it's it's uh, yeah so there, I mean there's there's there there are a ton of um, a ton of a ton of famous ones and and the famous you know within the community anyway and then. Then there's also just just each time you play the game, which is what I think a lot of them were getting at, is not not necessarily a story that they want to um, sort of share or have glorified in this larger fashion, but just a story that they can be a part of. Um, something that that makes the simulation have more meaning than um, than it would. If you if you didn't try and I mean it's just natural for people to attach a narrative to things, I think. People that that I mean the 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 game the game the gamest people a, lot, a big theme there was the idea of a of a challenge and a natural progression, I think, um, and the 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 
the ability to to set goals that comes from having a, a natural progression that you can kind of move move through the challenges and um I mean, it's not it's not necessarily about uh, achieving a, a a a greater state or having having progress in that way, but that's 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 part of it. And uh, well, as far as peer constructionists go, <laughs> I don't remember if the, I mean there were some people that like to like they like to have giant elaborate fortresses. I just know that there's people who they'll be digging out a fort and it's like oh there's a mineral vein here ah gotta. You know they got to use tools to get rid of it because they don't want to dig it out. And they just, you know, to them, it's all very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that was another thread that came up. It was uh, DG said, um, you know, he was almost obsessive compulsive perfectionist, right? Uh, that that you you need to even if you're not a constructionist, dude. There's still a a, a, a group of people that need need their fort the, the the people that would abandon a fort at the drop of a hat if they dug something wrong or whatever and keep keep a hundred saves that they can mm-hmm. go back to so that things will evolve as act, exactly as they um as they want them to and i uh, i i mean that that in a sense says that the 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 simulation is less important than the um than the act of constructing mm-hmm. uh but but I mean, even if you're really interested in the simulation, sometimes you can't escape from your own, you know, your own needs in terms of, uh, in terms of your your uh, your your perfectionism or whatever. So so it it uh, yeah, that's definitely another another thread that that came up. Um, I mean, there's the whole I- idea as well of of is DF even a game? Is Dwarf Fortress even a game? Or you know, would you consider it more of a toy because it it doesn't really give you a, a goal necessarily, and uh, the the thread that developed there was, you know, it has implied goals, and perhaps that's enough to make it more of a game or whatever than a than a toy. But 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 a, a, a simulationist person wouldn't even necessarily care, mm-hmm. and a and a constructionist person really doesn't care either. That 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 is just something that you can play with. Uh, and and the whole the whole game toy distinction becomes very blurry. I think. Because yeah. I, I mean, if you have to go by strict definitions, then uh, it probably depends on on the definition, whether whether or not um, you know you consider it even a game at all. Yeah. And it, it doesn't bother me if it's not right. I mean, I don't have anything vested in the term. Right. But it, it's it's certainly an interesting uh, interesting thing that that you can you can you can play the game and and come up with with your own goals for it. But that that does that does bother. Bother some people. They, they'd like to have more structure. Uh, someone mentioned the the colonization. It was Hermes, I think, brought up the the colonization end game. How it's 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 like civilization or whatever. But but civilization, your goal is just kind of to win in in one of a number of ways. Whereas colonization is leading toward a a kind of um, a, a very climactic end game where you have to break free from Europe, and there's a giant fight at the end. Right. Uh, and and so that that kind of thing um is is something that that dwarf fortress doesn't really have but it would be the kind of thing that dwarf fortress would have if it did something for instance like simulating an apocalypse or something sure yeah that but, that, that that actually um is interesting to, to have the concept of maybe scenarios where where that is like stated like you know 10 in 10 years the end of the world is coming. Prepare yourself, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah, we're definitely thinking uh, when we, when we said you know there, there was this old Armok system where I, I think it was the atmosphere atmosphere plot. I, what it was the other word? There was three words, right? There's there's the the atmosphere and the plot and the something else uh, a genre the genre ah. atmosphere plot system of of Armok one, which of course didn't get. I mean, we didn't get anywhere with that game, but. The uh, the 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 genre atmosphere plot system. The idea was you'd pick your overall genre that your your game is in. If you want to do sort of horror fantasy, or if you want to have My Little Mermaid, or something like that, right? Yeah. And then and then you you have the overall plot, which is it is it an apocalyptic My Little Mermaid game, which means that someone's going to come and steal all your toys at the end of the world, or something. 
or is it is it a um, is it a cyclic game, or is it a a game where everything kind of fades into mundanity or whatever? Um, and then there's the atmosphere, which is kind of everything else that j- just the the little things about the game and little tweaks that you can do to it. And so even if we're not using that same system, we have those those world gen param- parameters right in in Dwarf Fortress, where you can you can set up various facts about the world and that would be kind of where this apocalypse thing fits in. You can you could give an overall arc to your world each time, and that's that's one way to think about it. And then there is this kind of specific scenarios way of thinking about it as well, which I haven't I haven't thought about that so much. The only scenarios we've kind of talked about before are these uh, these these start scenarios for a specific fort or start scenarios for a specific adventurer, where it's like you know you you are a group of pilgrim dwarves that are here to to um, to visit this this shrine and and sort of um, set up a little community around it or something, um, uh, and that that would be a scenario, and that 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 kind of thing. I think even for for simulationist people, um, that's that's a um, that's a plus. It's not it's not just a gamist thing, right? And it could also um, I mean saying saying that your dwarves had a reason for embarking is is a very realistic thing to ask, right? <laughs> it's like right. what what are you doing? Uh, and uh, and even if that even if that does you know uh, proscribe some actions and encourage others, that's good, right? I mean that's not that's not bad necessarily. I mean you, of course you you don't want to trammel people or anything, but it's it's I think I think that helps everybody and that's that's certainly something like I said we we considered with dwarf mode start scenarios and 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 getting that flushed out. It also helps you um, kind of uh, see the roles of each of your dwarves and uh, when you're starting out and why they came and all that kind of thing. That's all I think that's all cool for everybody. And even even the um, the people that just like to build giant structures. A, lo- a theme that was there was that I want my structure A to be recognized and B to oh, I guess it's kind of the same thing to to sort of come alive and be be part of the world. And uh, if if there's a if there's a scenario geared towards certain large constructions like building a temple or something, then uh, you would have that um, that. Uh, that recognition would be would be part of the scenario, right. and so so that kind of thing can work. I mean, of course, the ideal thing would be to even go beyond that and have it somehow recognize what you're doing um, uh, beyond beyond the 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 specifically stating it ahead of time, which is of course a huge a huge difficult problem. Um, <laughs> the, the, the more you want it to do, I mean, you can do certain things like. Just drag a rectangle and say, "This is my temple." And the game's like, "All right," even if it's just a hill or something. Um, I guess it could, I mean it can detect how much work you've done. It's like how much recognition you deserve uh, for that. But um, I mean, there's things you can do. But but that's that's. Uh, so Dwarf Fortress kind of started out very gamey. Did. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a, a remarkably gamey idea that that we that we started from like 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 we said before, you it was just going to be you dig out your fortress, you make certain crafts and things, then you die because it's really a, a hard game and things ramp up as you dig deeper. They just they just ramp up as you as you'd expect playing a computer game where you can dig down or whatever. You you get you get you know completely. Wasted by by some kind of deep dwelling creature that you unburied, and then you'd come in with the adventurer, and it would populate your fortress with some extra little objects that you didn't make, like diaries and things. And you'd also go down there and and find all the objects you did make. And the more stuff that you bring out um, that builds the legend and story of the fortress, it would just kind of give you this story as you found the different journals and things. And it, you'd also get the points from uh, getting out each of the artifacts, and after a series of adventurers that die, you kind of get your total score for your fortress, and that would be uh, whatever whatever 
simulation and construction aspects would have existed had we taken that road, that would have been a game, right? There would have been a clear goal, even been a score list or whatever. And that was that was kind of the idea for the small project that was supposed to take a couple months um, for 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 Dwarf Fortress. So we definitely had had that kind of thing in mind at first, and and at the same time. We were working on on what you might call the simulationist nightmare of of Armok <laughs> One, uh, where we were just kind of really uh, taking a bottom up approach uh, with with the, with our fantasy game. And once those got merged, there were um, aspects of the of the Dwarf Fortress game that remained. Not just the fact that there was an adventure mode and a legends mode. But that your fortress was supposed to dig down, die. There was a progression from river, um, and then the the big open chasm, and then the the magma, and then the demons after that. And there was there was a a, a kind of stronger, not just because of the bugs, but just in general, a stronger feeling of progression with your population and your and your nobility and stuff. Uh, and that that kind of thing. It was was viewed as kind of a by us, I mean, as as kind of a um, a bit too strict for for the 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 simulation we wanted to to have running. But at the same time, it provided a structure that a lot of people liked and 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 still kind of point back to as um, a high point of of the um, the game being more balanced and challenging, even if it was. Less featureful and more buggy. Um, well, the, I mean the more buggy part. There were there were bad <laughs> bugs back then that people might not remember. I mean we've got more bugs now uh, because it's a larger game, but there were real real game killers back then in terms of infinite flooding and all that kind of thing, and that were really bad. But the uh, <clears throat> so so that that is uh, the where the gaming game structure is gone to the point that the Dwarf Fortress now is more purely a, a, a simulation with fewer fewer clear challenges and less progression. But as as things go on, there there are some people that, that pointed out here that they they play it as a simulation now, but are looking forward to the um, to the, the the gaming aspect of it, um, and. Uh, that that was uh you know that i think that was that was hermes again but freeform schooler and carlito also pointed pointed kind of seconded this and expanded on this uh this idea in in the forum thread that we've been mentioning mm-hmm. that uh that they they like the simulation but they're really looking forward to adding kind of the political stuff and the warfare religion caravan stuff that we kind of started that It'll still be really faithful. This is the, and this is this is this is kind of our overall our overall goal as well is that you'd have these new systems that are still really faithful to the idea that you've got a simulation that that tries to be as realistic as possible uh, within the confines of still being a game, but at the same time, if you're if you're you're setting goals for yourself, you're going to have a much easier time doing that. Um, looking at this, and you're also going to have a situation around your fortress that is sometimes going to to force, uh, you know, certain certain things to be looked at, like your defenses and that kind of thing, more so than than now, because there'll be, there'll be a specific situation you're interacting with, but it will it will um, it will it will kind of ramp up because your fortress in general, is a place where the population is increasing. And so if you add things like hill dwarves, it's not just going to be population increases from like seven dwarves to 20 dwarves to 40 dwarves or something, where you still ultimately aren't a a player in the world, but you'd actually be developing hill dwarf populations up into the thousands. And that that would make you, within the population of the world, which has cities that don't get bigger than than you know eight eight or thousand or so right now you you would be um able to draw a military that that could could have have impact on the on the world and could have you know you could change your goal to like i want to destroy the goblin civilization finally um 
and that 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 kind of thing that and that the 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 progression and and I'm not sure of the difficulty increases necessarily but the scope of the challenges increases as you get as you get a larger population and that would become probably the main the main measure of uh of of your um of of the challenges and that's that that seems like a gamey thing but it's also a a natural a kind of a natural result of the simulation it is it is a little strange that your seven dwarves kind of automatically attract so much attention um you know why do they become the capital almost inevitably if you're working hard when everyone else should be working hard too right so it's, it's and and there's a there's a pre-existing capital right <laughs> so it's like why does it get displaced that 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 is that that seems that's one of the big concessions to gaminess that exists in the current version even um so so it's and 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 uh and that's um you know it's always going to be like that where the where the the simulation doesn't actually control what's going on you do have to think of it as as a game ultimately because people have to play it uh so so that's that's um but but in i think i think that's um the the point that those guys brought up is uh is 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 an important one that that we are going to have a lot of this this sort of um game game progression mechanics things but but it should all flow naturally through the simulations to the point where it doesn't really disturb it at all um for people that are that are just playing to to see a story or to build something um so yeah i think that that, that was the uh, that might be the, the last point i wanted to bring up great well i think that um captain do, do you have anything else you want to add on this uh, depending on how far we want to go with this, I think we could ask Peyote how he plays. People probably <laughs> want to hear that. Uh, yeah. Well, when I get a chance, a chance, you mean? I mean, I mostly play the debug. <laughs> um, the hidden but, fourth option. Yeah, yeah. The debugging option is 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 great fun. But yeah, when I get when I when I get a chance, which has you know not been, um. Not been for a while. Uh, I think I, I mean I'm I'm I am. It's, it's kind of strange. Like we 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 when we say we wrote games, we wanted to be able to play ourselves. It 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 is kind of uh, centered around the the idea of of sort of emergent emergent kind of phenomena that you can you'll be confronted with that you couldn't you couldn't. Um, you couldn't anticipate even having written the game. And so it's, it's, it's kind of fun to, to play through it like that. So you, you just kind of, I mean, I just kind of watch out for those things when I'm playing. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to, um, to really get into a, a narrative mode with it. It happens sometimes, but, um, I often end up being distracted by problems or having to take notes or whatever. So it's, it's, it's very hard to say, you know, what, what my pure playing style is because I'm always distracted by, by, uh, by things. So it's, 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 uh, by, by note taking that I have to do. Um, but, but that, so that's, I mean, that, I mean, I, that, that is kind of my, kind of the play style I'm stuck with is, uh, <laughs> Is as a debugger, I guess. There's no, there's no, there's no hope for me. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's not. But it is. It is. I'd say that if I, you know, if I had to pick in your in your three the three categories, if I really wanted to to nail it down, then uh, I'm not really a constructionist. Um, you know, I, I I'm an observer of constructions. I mean, I really like seeing seeing what people do. Uh, seeing the the computers and giant towers and giant weapons that people devise, uh, that that's always uh, that's always really entertaining. So I definitely I definitely like that that side of it, but it's not something I do myself. Um, like I wouldn't I wouldn't build a giant a giant tower just just going through with the um, the process of making that construction is not is not something I do. Uh, but I like I I like the um, I like watching the uh the dwarves run around and do their thing and stuff and uh but I, I don't I don't I don't specifically get into developing a really intricate story for them. Um 
or or think in advance that my my fortress. I mean, I do about as much as my brother. My brother basically Zach will Zach will say, you know, we're we're gonna make stone toys, and this is gonna kind of be a Santa Claus fortress where we just make little toys and ship them off and try and sell as many little toys as possible. And so you set little goals like that for yourself. And I find myself setting different little goals like that as I go, uh, just kind of moving from one to one, but without a um, without an overarching narrative so much in my mind as to what the fortress is actually doing. Uh, and um, uh, and it and I'm not and not too interested in in having nobles arrive and and that kind of progressive progressing through the game type of uh, to thing so yeah just kind of yeah just kind of playing it and checking it out but i mean maybe that all comes back to debugging in the end i don't know uh but it's 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 um no that's i mean so it's kind of a uh, kind of a a um a mess around type of thing. I I I think it might change. Well, it's it's kind of like the the people are saying that that they wanted the the things like the army arc and stuff. I think I think my playstyle would probably change if we uh, if we got to that point. Eggfiber asks, how did you create the languages for all the civilizations? Did you base them off of something in real life, or did they all come from your imagination? Also, how long did the process take? Um, yeah, so we, we created all the languages. Uh, they were not based on anything in real life, and the main reason for that is because we haven't added grammar yet. Right now, we've just... Uh, what we what we did is we had a... a um, we have the list of words, which took a while to just just type in all the words, uh, the English versions of the words, and then uh, we had a generator uh, that just had certain um, certain rules about how how consonants could be combined and what frequencies uh, there were for the vowels and that kind of thing. And it had to generate a list of words, and then we went through by hand and kind of picked out words that were either Existing words, especially uh, words that are profanity, because <laughs> it would generate plenty of those, um, and and or words that just just sounded wrong when you look at you know the the word for for candy or something, and then you end up with some really harsh sounding word, and uh, then you just you just roll the generator on that again until it gets something that matches. And that's that's really all it was. Uh, with 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 goblins, we let more things go through, regardless of their tone, because we wanted the language to sound more alien. Um, but it it uh, it it was pretty much just that. When we get to things like grammar, uh, it's it's going to um, be harder to to completely. I mean, we'll just put in different processes uh, there, but I don't think it's going to be randomly generated because you just you either have a rule or you don't, or you have variants of a rule or whatever. But there's only four or five five stock languages, so we're probably just going to um, pick and choose which rules we think are appropriate and place them in. Um, and then there's the larger question of what about a randomly generated language? I mean, the the computer can spit one of those out really fast with random grammar and random words and all that, but then you will have the problem where some of the words are really not something you want to have. <laughs> but uh, we haven't we haven't tried that yet, and it might not be that bad of a problem uh, in in retrospect. So it, it it could be that we we do the random generation and then uh what we what we do is just as many as many rules depending on how we store our sentence trees or whatever when we get to that kind of thing uh because computers are good at that sort of thing so you you can just kind of throw it in uh then then i mean it's obviously going to be simplified from the the you know giant thousands of pages of you know even intro level textbooks you can get on this kind of thing uh it's 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 progressively more complicated um theory they that they've got floating around now but um, we throw some simple stuff in there and, uh, and then I imagine it'll all work, work really nicely. And the only thing I'm not sure about is when you get a lot of words that are recognizable or, 
so on if that if that breaks it too badly um so so that's i mean it'd be interesting to have kind of a con lang generator or whatever and just see how how it how it uh how it turns out quinn agler asks Will there ever be materials able to explode or combust? Will coal or grain dust ever be a hazard or alcohol burning? Or do you not think players should be able to engineer explosions? Uh, I like explosions. I mean, I don't like modern explosions, but if there are, there, there are plenty of reasons for things to blow up <laughs> that are not modern. And uh I think all of that is is something that 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 should be considered for the game. I mean, it's it's a matter of you know going through and 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 making it work, uh, and you have to be respectful of of the game there. And that that I'm not sure. Like, there's a lot of things, like even working all these forges underground, which should be uh, should be all smoky and nasty. <laughs> It seems, and and all this this coal burning, like like that, uh, all these refining processes going on underground. It seems like there should be a lot of a uh, lot of gaseous simulations going on that aren't going on. And uh, I'm not sure how to do the display for that kind of thing, and how to make it work without without. Um, I mean, right now the the miasma system is is annoying enough, right? It's like. It's like um, the, the obscuring purple cloud that makes no sense. But uh, so so if it if it comes to it, if we have legitimate reasons to blow things up, then uh, I'm definitely for that. As far as combustion, I mean we've got the uh, the kind of well, I don't I don't even remember between flash points and ignition points and self ignition and all that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got we've got just one, and it probably doesn't even work how it's supposed to. Um, in real life, but uh, certainly I'm not. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, the question is, do I think these these things should be able to happen? Then, then absolutely. Whether or not you know we'll be able to pull it off or, or whatever is a different a different matter. But I'm certainly open to all the all the things that people suggest there that that fit within the the time frame and that kind of stuff. Anatoly asks, will there ever be anything positive from dwarves having negative happiness besides fun? Example, an artistic dwarf is very sad and makes a long poem about something. He then sings it at parties, and the dwarves listening get more positive, less angry, or something. Example two, a philosopher gets melancholy and finds some time to uh, invent some new stuff. So basically, uh, artifact, artistic creations that channel their negative emotions into a positive outcome. That's yeah, I mean, thing going in. Yeah. Yeah, it seems. I mean, what what I've just added with all the all the writing and stuff is uh, is that the 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 personality can give a tone to the work, but <clears throat> I mean, the, the, there's there's no reason to think that a, that a happy dwarf or whatever wouldn't be able to also produce something that your dwarves would like. I mean, there's 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 something to be said for the variety, but. But there wasn't anything I saw there that came specifically from the negative emotion that couldn't also have the same gameplay effect from the happy emotion, right? I mean, an inventor can just be energetic and running around inventing things, or an artist can can be, I mean, the, the, can be feeling various emotions and still produce things that they'd sing at parties and so on. So, as for you know whether whether there's specific exclusive mechanics that come out of the negative happiness um, that are related to these kind of artistic inv- invention things, then, um, you know, probably, probably not uh, in, in, a, in, in terms of a mechanical way, but mm-hmm. in terms of variety and atmosphere, then certainly, yeah. Um, there, there, there'd be things that would only happen when, when dwarves are, are feeling unhappy. And this, this kind of goes back to, uh, Right now we just have this happiness meter that we don't really treat as an emotion so much. And with the the personality rewrite the, that we've been talking about, um, that's the, the the emotions get added in. And then then with the new writing system I put in, you'd be able to take the not just the personality, the long-standing personality, but also the the kind of present emotional state of the dwarf with more specificity and have that influence the writing, which is something that would that that would definitely be going in so so i see i see variety coming from it but but 
but as for specific things, I mean, having your dwarves be unhappy all the time is is mostly a result of accidents and player mistakes, right? So it's not it's not something that should 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 strictly be rewarding all the time or whatever or lead to lead to that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, there could be things I'm not I'm not seeing here in terms of opportunities and so on. That there's probably there probably are some other examples, but um, yeah. Neonovic asks, Toadie, you spoke about giving characters orders and conditions that they would possibly disobey them. What do you think about the concept of allowing characters in your party to do as they wish in town, such as shore leave, to rest, relax, buy equipment, speak to others, and for, fulfill their own personal goals? Yeah, I like that. I mean, it, it reminds me of the various RPGs you'd play where you'd, you'd go into a town and every time that you'd buy equipment one of your one of your little fellows would be like it'd be like Johnny bought a sword and they have their own little little money and and things that they do like that and that that's um i mean the the i'm i'm all for that kind of thing especially cuz it means less micromanagement for you because when it comes to the point where where we we deal with the fact that they drop their weapons and never get them back or get their clothing ripped off and never get it back then um you don't want it to uh strictly turn into a micromanagement situation especially when you've got like 20 people um <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have to babysit all their all their daggers or whatever so then that that leads to a a uh, a problem of corralling i guess like when you leave off the edge of the map and start traveling um or you just press the travel button do you kind of collect them back? Do you have to have a prearranged meeting point? You don't want it to be too annoying, yeah. but you don't want to have, uh, just as a technical matter, dealing with all the teleportation and stuff is kind of annoying too. So, you you know, it's, it's, it seems like a problem that's not hard to deal with, but it's 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 something to deal with. Uh, and that's that's just kind of the first thing that occurred to me when I when I looked at the question was, was how do you, you know this is this is the, the issue is the corralling of the people and getting them back yeah. um one, once you i mean once you've handled things like their own money supply and do you do you talk to them uh do you do you explicitly give them give them the chance to do that kind of thing or do they do it automatically i mean i guess if you i mean you ideally you'd want to you you can't just have the like if you've got one with you who's who's really kind of a forward sort of brazen, happy-go-lucky person who just says, like, all right, I'm going to the bar. I don't care what you guys do or whatever. That's that's good up to a point for them to go up and do that stuff, but it it, it runs into the, the, the issue that's come up a few times, I think, here, where the game can't judge your intent. So if you were going to a town with the, like, and you felt really serious and you'd been really gearing up for it and you'd gotten just your equipment just right for it, and you're like, I'm going to go to the vampire cultist temple, and it's mm -hmm. time for me to sneak in there during the, the last ten minutes of the day, and while the light's shining through the window and disappearing and going to, to burn all the vampires or something, right? And you're feeling really tense about it, and then you get to the town, and, and the dude's like, all right, I'm going to go get a drink or whatever, <laughs> then uh, it, it spoils the mood. So it... it I, I I don't know if you'd I mean the game the game like we always say here has trouble detecting that sort of thing so I mean can you can you tell tell your party hey it's serious time uh, so that they don't even ruin your ruin the mood by <laughs> shouting crap like that uh, it, it's it's uh, and I mean you can't be serious all the time so I don't I don't think. Uh, I don't. I mean, you you wouldn't just always have that on. I guess your people would get pissed off, especially that guy. It's like, why are we serious all the time? You guys need to lighten up. Let's go drink or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it it it's it's a it's a kind of thing where where in a role playing game, uh, that you know if you if you get rid of the scripted moments where people say you're like your your companions say certain things at certain times or whatever. Um, generally they're they're quiet and follow you around, do what they say, and and part of that is that kind of necessity for for immersion. Um, that it's kind of weird that making the people less realistic in a sense makes it more immersive. But that's that's yeah, that's another another challenge I see. Um, but 
uh, yeah. So, so, but, but overall, overall, I like the idea of of some autonomy and is, uh, being able to deal with, being able to deal with. I mean, and let's separate this from the from the what might be one of the main concerns in this kind of question. Um, not necessarily this question, but but the kind of concerns of those problems I mentioned: people dropping weapons and not having healthcare and all that kind of stuff all that's separate and and uh, definitely regardless of what obstacles that needs to be dealt with i mean you can't just have a person that never has a weapon again that's just silly and stupid so we're we're going to deal with that and um as for the amount of autonomy um i think i've laid out some of the some of the concerns but i'm i'm in general all for it and and happy if they were were far more autonomous mm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's gonna be like uh, pirates, and you're gonna go to the tavern, and then you're gonna get <laughs> drunk, and then you're gonna get mutinied, and you're gonna wake up, and you're gonna be on an island. That's right. You'll be on an island, and there won't even be a treasure chest there. Nope. Nope. Well, thank you for joining us for another Dwarf Fortress Talk, Season 3. <laughs> and uh, um, I'd like to uh, thank everybody that was involved. Uh, Tarn, who was involved? Uh, you were involved. I was involved. Uh, yep, yep. And Captain, you were also involved. Tangentially. And I don't remember if I was... No. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember if I was involved or not. No, you were never involved in this whole process. That's right. Um, but I'm... I'm on the list here. I had uh, written down in advance because I knew I was going to lose my memory. <laughs> so uh, we have the list. We've gotten through Rain Seeker, Captaintastic, Toady One. We want to thank everyone that asked um, asked questions, uh, whether they were answered or not. And more questions always good. Uh, keep them coming in. Right. We have uh, Olie and Emily Menendez to thank for musical musical talents. And we have Malax to thank for writing up the the transcripts. Um, I think I think Malax just got uh, in the uh, the HTML. If you go into the folder and you go into the combined transcript file, the combined transcript file is over a megabyte, which means a million little characters. <laughs> there you go. So Malax is a champion, and. Um, it says that I'm supposed to tell people to contribute to the game and thank them for doing so. So, uh, so um, you know, this is this is uh, how how I live. And uh, if you can help out and you want to see it keep coming, even if it has been uh, slow to get out, uh, we are going to make it out, and we'll have a new version coming sometime. And we're still working every day. So if you want to help, uh, it's much appreciated. That's right. Um, and uh, Rainseeker has a website called RatTownStories.com. RatTownStories.com. And Captain Tastic has nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so deal you, with it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you just go to your web browser, go to the place where you type a URL and just press enter, um, you'll get to where you'll find you'll find Captain's homepage right there. Awesome. It might look it might look a lot like your homepage, but that's that's because Captain's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So so um, yeah, that was that was episode seventeen. Thanks for joining us. We should end on a cliffhanger, or should we? Next time <laughs> on Dwarf Fortress Talk. <laughs> ah, darn! Don't hurt me, please. You're gonna get what's coming to you.
I mean, I see an ampersand and an at, at sign. These are all these are all symbols from the game. There you go. So this so is like, the DF ASCII keyboard. And then you, you, all you need is a special like a uh, dwarven key there that selects dwarves. You just press it. That's right. We need to add happy faces to keyboards. Happy faces with beards on them. That's right. And you press it, right. and it'll zoom to your favorite dwarf. See, there you go. There you go. This is this is this is the entrepreneurial mind at work. This is very you productive. Can, you can see why we've been so financially successful over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, she pulled a gun on everybody, and uh, we were just quiet and waiting for her to give us instructions. There we go. Uh, yeah, it's still kind of intimidating, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to think of how to <laughs> get things going. <laughs>